0: welcome to another edition of the beer Vana podcast hi jeff
1: hey patrick how are you doing
0: uh i'm doing well the weather in portland is starting to get windy wet cold and dark i like it all <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually my, my older son just loves it he hates hates those bright sunny days uh but i'm getting kind of older i think that in a, perf- in a perfect world i might like move to Australia in the winter and and summer in Australia during the winter here and back and forth. I don't know. I used to believe in catharsis, the cathartic power of winter, and how it, and how when spring comes, you're better for, better off for having suffered through winter. But I'm an old man now. I'm not so sure.
1: No, it is. You're right. Your your young self is correct. Your old self is weak. Yeah. You need to... You I need think you're right. I, bet,
0: I, I know, I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta suck it up. All right, uh, welcome to the Beervana Podcast. With me, of course, is Jeff Allworth, author of the recently released Secrets of the Master Brewers, as well as old favorites like The Beer Bible and Cider Made Simple. Uh, you can also find him blogging at Beervana and tweeting at, at Beervana.
1: And with me is Patrick Emerson, an economics professor and economics professor at Oregon State University, who tweets at Beeronomics At Beernomics. That was not very elegant
0: i know the at, at never yeah there's gotta be something better to say at ampersand at ampersand there you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because we weren't pedantic enough to begin with so we gotta step up our game
0: that's right it wasn't by accident that i mentioned that we're slipping into fall because uh today uh, our podcast is going to be uh a mishmash of things uh uh beery and folly um we had hoped to bring you uh a a long-promised podcast either on water or packaging, um, and we're working on it. Um, But uh, despite our best intentions, those efforts uh, fell through. They will be uh, forthcoming uh, soon, presently. Excellent. Uh, So instead we're going to do one of our periodic potpourri podcasts and we'll run through some of the interesting things that have caught our eyes lately. We'll talk about uh, good and bad brewery names, uh, truthiness in uh, PR, uh, brewery brewery PR. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about what a great American beer festival medal uh, uh, means to brewers since the festival just concluded uh, a couple weeks ago Uh, and a few other things. Uh, And we'll also taste uh, some beers that our minds turn to as the fall weather sets in uh, yeah we'll start talking about what what we start drinking in the fall as opposed to summer
1: that's right and there's not really there's there's some typical styles in fall but in general the the the, the autumnal vibe is kind of open air so we are going to try an open vista so we're gonna, that's right we're going to help we're going
0: to help you ease into fall here
1: yeah we're going to talk about what we like. Maybe you can let us know what you like when you when the fall when the when the weather turns crisp.
0: That's right. So uh, before that, of course, uh, we have to talk about the news. And in the news this week, uh, the Brewers Association announced it would begin funding the U.S. Department of Agriculture's. Uh, public hop breeding program. The goal is only partly to introduce public domain varieties to compete uh, with modern proprietary strains. Researchers are also focused on breeding disease resistant strains.
1: Yeah, it's uh, not. When I first read this news, I thought, "Hey, they're trying to compete with all the hip new proprietary strains." But uh, strains. But actually, that you know, the USDA has a big like public research thing. It's
0: yeah, like, I mean that's sort of the like. Market imperatives will, will will drive a lot of the innovation, yeah. but the stuff that that's probably more important but less uh, less likely to get private money to fund is trying to keep trying to get ahead of all of the fungi and other diseases that can affect uh, crops. Right. So that's what our our good uh, government dollars uh, go to to fund. But I guess the brew association is going to uh, provide funding.
1: Funding, yeah, funding. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much. I yeah. It was probably the press release. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, go, go figure it out yourself. It's just a Google. Come on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what do you expect us to do? Look at that the, that that thing and put it on our paper? No, we didn't do that.
0: Uh, yeah, that, but I was watching. Um, this is complete... Uh, segue, but I was watching Stranger Things with my fifteen-year now, sorry, now sixteen-year-old son.
1: Second season.
0: Second season of Stranger oh, Things. I
1: haven't gotten to it yet. They just dropped too. Look so at I want you. Okay, so case,
0: so no spoilers, but I'll just say that they're trying to figure out something, and they got to go to the library and check out books. <laughs> and I had a big long discussion <laughs> with with my son about what that you know what life was like before Google. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Did you explain to him the wonders of the card catalog? (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
0: they had the card catalog in the background. Nice. Like, see, we had to pull those out, and he just doesn't care. He rolls his eyes like, (laughs) oh, don't talk to me about the old days."
1: (laughs) Yeah, we might as well have had quill and vellum.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, next one.
1: Next one. This one I found quite interesting. Uh, Boston Beer plans on packaging and shipping a New England IPA in 2018. Um, It's a beer they've Already been offer offering for about a year on draft, mm-hmm. uh, but this is the first large scale package New England IPA release. So um, it's going to be fascinating to see how well New England IPAs travel mm-hmm. uh, and how long they last on shelves. Um, it, I think it's just a, you know this is the hot new style, but they're incredibly evanescent and in they don't last so long. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens.
0: Yeah, that brings an interesting point. I want is it do you know for uh, Bigger brewers, do they often end up having their products sit longer? You know what I mean, like.
1: I think it just in the sense that, uh you know, if you're, this is one reason why Anheuser-Busch has uh, twenty brewing plants in North America. It's right. Because the shorter the distance between the brewery and the retailer, yeah, the less time uh, the you know the, the the faster people drink that beer. So if you're shipping it out from. I think Cincinnati or wherever uh, most of Boston beers beer is made to Portland, Oregon. It's just going to take a lot longer to get here. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: I mean, it's big enough, but it doesn't have all of the regional breweries, so it's going to be in transit for a little while. Yeah, no matter how you slice it.
1: If you if you buy these it. things locally, um, they can get to the market pretty fast. Right for those
0: of us, for those of us out here in the Northwest. Yeah if you're <laughs> if you're more in the uh, Northeast or north central us you're fine
1: that's right although you know it's still going to sit like depends on where you buy it too and how fast things turn over if you go to a big
0: well that's what I was wondering i mean cuz I, I mean i don't know how much how much if there's a big difference in warehousing like if, if warehousing is a big part of how they manage their inventories or not i guess that's my that was my point
1: another put this on the log put another log on the to-do list but another person we need to talk to is somebody in wholesaling who can talk to us about that whole tier and how long once the brewery puts it on a truck how long it takes uh, that beer to get to a retailer and what happens when uh, that wholesaler picks it up and puts it on the truck. So we should we should put that on our to-do list too.
0: Yeah. the
1: It varies. I think the answer is it varies. Depending on the wholesalers, um, some are uh, more efficient and some are less efficient. And depending on uh, which district you're in, which state you're in, it's going to be faster or slower depending on how good that wholesaler is. So that's, that's part of the answer.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I guess that's you got to pick a good wholesaler. Yeah. Uh, By the way, it's got they they've come up with a really sexy name for this.
1: Yeah, they have. Ooh, New England IPA. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They went. They really. We're gonna talk about names. (laughs) That's a good one. This is gonna get the Jeff and Patrick (laughs) thumbs thumbs down for being a little too uh, unimaginative. But but it is direct. At least it will not confuse people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I sort of have two minds because in some ways it seems really presumptuous. Like. Yes, yeah, we we're going to give you the real New England IPA. But on the other hand, it's just it's descriptive, right? Here's the Sam. This is the Sam Adams take on a New England IPA. I don't know. Okay.
1: Also, though, just before you launch into that, it's it also tries to reinforce their branding that they are a New England brewery, which they've never been. So that also kind of irritates me. Ooh, yeah. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Originally brewed in Pittsburgh, now brewed in Cincinnati.
0: Ouch. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: it's just it is what it is. It is.
0: Um, but they're Boston
1: Brewing Company. I know. They're Boston Brewing Company. All right. so AM Adams. They've really branded themselves as a real Boston company. Speaking,
0: speaking of branding. Yes. Or product in, product innovation. I'm going to let that go. Sexiness. Uh, AB InBev has released a new Budweiser. Dun dun, 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 dun. Called 1933 Repeal Reserve Amber Lager. The brewery claims it's only the ninth Budweiser, quote unquote, ever released. The multitudes of Bud Lights apparently don't count. Right. And all the different bottle varieties. Varieties.
1: Yeah, and the bud dries, and the bud ice. And all Does that it come
0: stuff. in the vortex bottle?
1: Uh, no, it comes in a little squat. <laughs> a little
0: stubby bottle. Yeah. yeah, you and I were both saying that that uh, we watch very little TV, but somehow we both managed to find to to see a TV ad of this of this beer.
1: Uh, and we both pondered what we might have seen it at And at the same time said, ah, oh, World Series
0: Yeah, and since I watched, I think the entire sum of my entire World Series watching Was the last three innings of Game 7 mm. It it had to have been during that little window
1: And I bet you were rooting for the Astros Because you're a you're a Giants guy You yeah. hate the Dodgers
0: Yes, that's true, but I'm also a pluralist So I love it when a team wins for the first time Or first time in, you know, decades
1: Yeah, the Dodgers haven't won in decades
0: yeah <laughs> uh ooh uh bomb alert. <laughs> bomb alert black song black song okay, i think i i think we still have that thing ticked on uh on on <laughs> itunes that says you can't uh you can't swear yeah uh yeah uh dang the dodgers who cares about dodgers boo
1: <laughs> got a giants fan here folks uh okay all right the last one is um we we here at the uh Bivana podcast are shattered to announce that uh after having scored an honorable mention last year at the north american guild of beer writers awards for this podcast honorable mention is of course like a participant award it's not not even in the medals but but at least our name we were, here, mentioned. We were, mentioned. were mentioned yes uh this year we got nothing zippo nothing but kiss
0: yeah uh so, so. There's, I have two things to say about it. one is it's the beer writer Guild of Beer Writers, yeah. And so uh, since there's almost no writing that goes behind <laughs> beyond, beyond behind the scenes in this podcast, somehow that seems slightly appropriate. Uh, I feel a little bit a little bit sheepish to to even be mentioned um, because mostly we just pull this stuff out of our you know what. Uh, but I also. I'm pretty proud of the fact that we've turned a crappy podcast into an even worse, even one. worse podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, I know, I know. Which means that all the things we've done to tune it up have been for naught. So we might as well just go back to, you know, crappy microphones, yeah, and, crappy mics, and just like figure it out five minutes in advance and just. Say whatever we're going to say yeah. instead of actually planning ahead and writing bad intros and trying to schedule <laughs> real authorities. Interviews, it's gotten it's gotten a, it's nothing zero. Uh,
0: I will say that we've actually we've had some pretty good in, in, uh, um, ambitions lately.
1: We have. I know this last year I thought we were very ambitious.
0: Uh, well, I was going to say that our ambitions don't necessarily lead to follow through.
1: No, but we interviewed because
0: them. we've discussed trips to Seattle and interviewing going and seeing packaging lines and things like that so i just want to say that notionally yeah this is a kick-ass podcast that's right like in our minds
1: we should be judged on what we plan to do not exactly what yeah
0: done. yeah don't judge us on what we do <laughs> come on judge us on our potential
1: all right i'm gonna i'm gonna note that the next time <laughs> 2018 here we come
0: uh, okay so uh as we <laughs> as, as, as we leave our news segment and rant about the fact that we don't even get an honorable mention will now segue into our uh, sort of um,
1: Paste it together. bucket
0: dump of <laughs> <laughs> of fall fallish thingies that we're going to talk about.
1: Oh, it's true. All right, yeah, so, so let's get to them.
0: <laughs> Actually, yeah, this is probably a good time before we get to them to start talking about fall beers. Okay. So i like to know, uh, author of the Beer Bible and uh, Cider Man Simple and Se- Seekers of the Master Brewers, what kind of beers you start turning to when the weather starts turning dark, gray, wet, and wild.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, the, the fall is the time when um, historically the harvest season has just concluded. So you've got the freshest barley, you've got the freshest hops. Mm-hmm. Until recent, recently, during the refrigerated age, Hops would just continue to degrade over the course of a year, so you make the very best beer in the uh, fall that you would make all year long. Right, and we that we have some remnants of those uh, beers. You know the Meridsons that uh, an Oktoberfest, the the beers that um, are are associated with that season and are celebrated in festivals. The season there's harvest beers. Mm -hmm. There's an English beer called October beer, um, which was made with these ingredients uh these are all kind of historical examples so Mm -hmm. they're worth pointing out but um you know people will have an Oktoberfest, and it's a good it is a good fall beer it's a little if you like lagers and you're coming off your pilsner your helles your pilsner uh season in the summer it's a little bit fuller bodied it's a little bit uh, maltier and it's a little bit more alcoholic so that's good it is folly but um we live here in oregon in america and Mm -hmm. we have access to all different kinds of beers so we can drink whatever we drink and it's interesting, I think uh we all go through our own seasonality, and um I when we did this, we both agreed that we would pick up a couple of beers and bring them, and they would stand as a representation of what our minds turn to right and I think probably you know everybody has their own kind of if you're if you're a seasonal drinker, you're turning to something now, and it you know let us know what you like. I think it would be interesting to hear what other people drink
0: yeah and i I would say that I've become more seasonal the older I get uh. As a youngster, I didn't think too much about it, and I'd often drink same, similar beers all year round. And uh, but I've become much more seasonal as an old old timey man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this summer I did. I drank I drank mostly like Helles Pilsner. Uh, I was really you know I went to Germany and Czech, Czech Republic and stuff, so I got really into them, and and I continued that here. But now um, that the weather has turned colder and wetter and darker uh that's not what my my cravings turn to now when i look at those i think uh ah, those are too sort of light and refreshing and that's not what i'm looking for i'm looking for something kind of akin to a little bit more uh comfort foodie something yeah. that's going to kind of stick with you a little bit warm you up totally yeah so that's that that was the theme we both went off independently and grabbed a couple of representations of our fall taste and so why don't you tell us what Uh, The first one that you have is?
1: Well, the first one I had, this is a beer that I always think of in the fall. Mm -hmm. It's actually not. Well, anyway, the beer that I always think of in the fall (laughs) is uh, Anchor Porter. So I love porters. Interesting. um, Because they are lighter bodied, lower alcohol than stouts. Yep. So um, they're a nice transition beer that way. Mm -hmm. But they have all the um, warmth and roastiness and kind of warming character that i like and yeah. my, and my one of my favorites has always been anchor it's, yeah and it's, why it's a, it's a really roasty full flavored porter it's mm-hmm. just an amazing beer it's uh, it for my money it's anchor's best beer i love that beer yeah it's, it's a it's a top 50 beer for me
0: yeah that's it's it's a good good comment i you know i don't even remember i'm sure i've had it in the past but i don't remember it um when i think of anchor of course i think anchor steam of course if that's the beer i I've had, you know, 95% of the time when I drink their beer. So um, I'm not a huge fan of Liberty Ale. So yeah, Anchor, Steam maybe. I like, though.
1: Uh, the interesting thing is I could not find that beer. Ah. <laughs> but what I did find There's was... An anchor. Yeah, I found Anchor Coffee Porter, ah, which apparently okay. is a new thing they've got out now. Right. Um, so we're going to try this and see how this stacks up. My guess is it's a little, little trendy. I'm an old man. I'm... I want my old damn porter. So, that, well,
0: this is going to be interesting because, uh, like some other things, like spice, I'm very sensitive to. Coffee is one of those things I'm really sensitive to in uh, beer, and the bitterness of coffee often I find off-putting. So, we'll see.
1: Even in porters, where the bitterness pre-exists,
0: even in porters. Well, and I think that's I think that's because, especially uh, ten years ago when when it became really popular I'm I'm roughly 10 years ago but there was a there was a, a big coffee craze I think it was done with a pretty heavy hand generally
1: yeah uh, coffee coffee has a robust flavor for mm-hmm. sure but it does harmonize nicely with roast malt so we're about to see it's a, a gorgeous beer black as night uh, pretty dark head um, wonderful tight bubbles smells a bit coffee like
0: <laughs> no hey I'm not saying I don't like coffee and beer i'm just saying that i often find it too much that's what i mean so mm. we'll see how these go
1: i'm pretty sure that's their their standard order mm. yeah it's got those nice
0: it does have a really nice aroma
1: it does that's a pretty nice beer it's the coffee is definitely present but not overwhelming it's not bad
0: mm. yeah that's pretty good given given it's not,
1: that i've declared this one of the top Fifty beers in the world, it was unlikely that I was going to like it better than the the, band, the standard Anchor Porter, and I don't. But but well, it, you know, pretty good. And yeah, yeah, I don't find
0: the coffee overwhelming. If if you if you gave me it one with and one without coffee, I'd probably choose the one without.
1: But but I like it. it has this wonderful oily quality that um, comes from the, the the roast malts.
0: Yeah, but it's not heavy and it's quite drinkable. That's I guess you know him. Talk too much about that but hmm. you know this, stuff. this is the season where you know you sort of duck into a pub away from the rain and cold and you know ready to session for two three beers you know yeah. warm up
1: what so, is this bad boy let's see should have looked beforehand uh, finding alcohol contents on labels is such a challenge oh here we go Ooh, it's a lot stronger than i thought <laughs> 6.7 percent. that was like five Ah,
0: actually, that you know, and I say that that makes a lot of sense because part of what I'm tasting then is the alcohol.
1: <clears throat> yeah, you're much more sensitive to alcohol than I am. Mm. I'm kind of blind to it unless it's really high. All right, let's see what standard. But it's got a nice,
0: it's got a nice roasty undertone. It's definitely the coffee is present, but not uh, overwhelming. And that's funny. I would not have guessed that it was. Uh, Anywhere close to 6.7 percent,
1: yeah. I would have guessed
0: mid five somewhere.
1: I definitely did not know that either. Uh, and of course, I go to the website, it doesn't have it on the website, which is always a bad idea, folks. (laughs) Put AVB on your websites, put addresses. Put the if you're a brewery, put your address and put when you're open, and if you're a brewery, put your web, put your here we go. Yeah, the, the standard Porter is 5.6. So this is souped up. Oh, okay. My guess is it probably is a bad sign that they've tarted it up with coffee. Mm. It probably means the standard Porter is not selling well. Porters just don't sell worth a damn anymore, which is a, a great shame because it's one of my favorite styles. I like Porters.
0: Yeah, you don't, you don't see much. You don't see new breweries brewing Porter or Stouts that much. Nope. Quite frankly. It's an and old then, man's drink. But I'm an old man, damn it. Well, it's funny because, you know, we're old enough to remember 10 years ago when. You know, bourbon barrel porters and stouts were all the rage, and coffee porters and stouts were all the rage, and you couldn't, you couldn't, you know, throw, I mean, a, throw a dart in a beer store without hitting <laughs> a porter, a dark beer, uh, nine out of ten times.
1: It's true, um, and I think the the barrel aged stouts are still somewhat prominent. And since we're, we got to get to this other stuff, but I got to throw in a, a a bone comment to uh, Surly, who sent me their stout Uh which is i believe called darkness surly darkness Uh it's not barrel aged and it was an exquisite stout it's a big booming uh imperial has uh wonderful dry cocoa notes Mm -hmm. nice it's fairly sweet uh up front but it starts drying out immediately and it's for as big as it was quite sessionable um and it got drier as you continue to drink it which is always good because if those sweet stouts can get sweet yeah pretty fast um I, I hate to call anything as big as it is a sessionable stout but it was very <laughs> sessionable. i can drink that stuff all day so
0: i guess it depends on your tolerance yeah uh, yeah for me that's probably like a full winter beer but all right so let's um uh as uh, we'll, we'll keep coming back to these beers as we go along but let's get to our first uh our first hot take our first menu item here yes uh um, so every so often we like to address a series of small items that have been catching our eyes. So let's get started with some, a small news item from about a month ago uh, that got you thinking, Jeff. A local brewery opened up called Second Profession, a name that uh, you weren't quite thrilled about, right? <laughs> Correct. Uh, so what was, what's wrong with Second Profession?
1: Well, first of all, it's just a dull name. It doesn't mm-hmm. really sing. It doesn't inspire any image in your mind. Uh, it doesn't, it's very hard to connect to. But the second thing is, it's a it's a name that that is, that refers to. Uh, it's an inward looking thing. It right. says you should understand my uh, you know my my deal. My deal is very important here. When in fact you want to project out. Yeah, you know, I want. It's very self yeah, referential. Very self referential.
0: Inside, not inside joke, I guess, but inside reference. Yeah. All right. So so in that vein, uh, you and I went off to think about our our uh, best and worst brewery names to give to give all these new budding brewers guidance You're right some sage advice from your elders about how to and how not to name your brewery
1: and since we're you know, Paid a lot of money to do this kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> these, these opinions are very valuable.
0: All right, Jeff. So, so let's. Should we start with the bad or the good? Let's start with the bad.
1: Yeah. And, so end on a high note. Yeah. All absolutely. right. So let's start with the bad. What? Uh, uh, well, I put. I, I will say that a lot of these that I noted down um, came from a Facebook page uh, post that I put up, and I got 140 comments. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing people really think about, and um, there were there were some breweries there that I hadn't heard of, especially uh, a series of dirty. Breweries, uh, dirty hands, uh-huh. dirty, which was renamed dirty couch and dirty bucket. And I think at least one of those latter two went out of business or also renamed it.
0: I've heard of dirty bucket, yeah, that's that's a that's bad. So, uh, I was gonna say, if you know anything about brewing, of course, everything's gotta be super clean, yeah, but even if you don't, just the sort of the connotation that you're giving me something dirty is probably not
1: <laughs> sewage water, beer. yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just don't go there
0: yeah uh, okay so uh that's that that's that's good i'm going to um i'm not sure if this is uh if this is something similar well it sort of has a similar Vane, um, you gave me a category. But I'm going to give you a, a brewery name. And actually, I just saw this brewery. I was I was in the beer store picking up my my autumn beers, Uh Belching Beaver.
1: Oh yeah, there's a lot of beavers. This came up a lot. There's Big Beaver and Belching Beaver and
0: Beaver Town.
1: Beaver Town. That's an an English one. The one
0: in Corvallis is actually Flat Tail, so which is
1: much cooler.
0: References a beaver, but. Yeah, you have to and think I, for a second.
1: And I think the other beavers are going for a double entendre that might be offensive to half of our species. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true.
1: Uh, whereas uh flat tail is referring to the uh, motto of the hometown team, which is your university. The that's right. Oregon State beavers. And, and, the, it Oregon it, State,
0: and the Oregon State animal. Oh, there's probably more than one animal. It's probably the Oregon State symbol. Yeah, and we're I, the Beaver State. Yeah, we're the Beaver State. Thank you. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for asking me there, <laughs> Like, <laughs> it's the Oregon State mammal. Maybe? So,
1: flat tail, good. Belching beaver, bad.
0: Yeah. So belching. I mean, I don't need. I don't yeah. need that.
1: No, I agree. Uh, there's one in in uh, in Bend called Rat Hole. Our friend Brian Yeager, who's beer writer, uh, was the first one to find them and commented profusely on on uh, social media for the last couple of years uh (laughs) what a terrible name it was and and they they ultimately changed their name too so this goes to show that oh what are they called now i should know that shouldn't Uh, that's okay yeah i don't know that
0: uh yeah rat hole was bad uh uh while we're while we're uh harping on ben breweries i'll 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 say that um the brewery which I, I think is still existing uh, existent uh, below grade
1: uh, ah yeah. i actually
0: know the story because i met these guys at a farmer's market in bend once and they started in their basement if i if i'm if i remember correctly and so their brewery was actually below grade it was in their basement below ground level um that's kind of cool for yourself yeah but it, it doesn't really evoke anything for a customer
1: and and it i'm sure there's a a way in which they're self-effacing and thought the double entendre it's like it's below grades it's below average kind of thing like it's but you don't want to say. well that's the yeah that's
0: the other part (laughs) you really don't want (laughs) to say i have bad below average beer yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) it's not good (laughs) so there's another no no
1: there's a kind of name that just irritates me and i think it irritates me in disproportion to the rest of the world but i'm gonna i'm gonna throw it out here and we have two and you're a cranky old man so i I am a cranky old man crank away I do deal with words, so this is the kind of thing that sticks in my craw maybe more than the average person. Uh, two breweries in in Oregon, and I'm sure they exist all over the country, but I'll use the Oregon example since they're fresh and in our our minds. Uh, ten Barrel and Hop Valley; mm-hmm. these are fantastically generic names that took people less than one second to <laughs> think of. You know, you walk into the breweries like, "Hey, there's a Ten Barrel Brewery." That's what I'm going to name my brewery. It's just, it, it's just, it. it it's insulting to the consumer that lacks you, couldn't, creativity. you couldn't be arsed to spend a full <laughs> minute contemplating the name. You had to just, you know, uh, hops are there, uh, valley.
0: You I mean, don't know how much they paid the PR professionals to come up with that. for them.
1: I, I really hope they paid a lot.
0: <laughs> months and months of market <laughs> research came up with 10 Barrel. Come and on.
1: both of those breweries got bought out by big, big other breweries. Yeah, so so it did so not, that shows you how much you know. It did not prevent them from uh, succeeding, and yet... It really irritated me.
0: Yeah. Uh, so my next one, uh, and I was trying to think of others, uh, and and I couldn't off the top of my head. But um, the, the uh, it's uh, sort of a play on being kind of um, less than having found yourself a profession that allows you some freedom. And this one was lazy boy brewing. So <laughs> like, okay, so you're lazy and you get to brew. That that doesn't. Doesn't single confidence as a as a consumer, or maybe that you're lying in a lazy boy chair. I don't know. The, their logo has a has a person, I think, not a chair. So I think it's the the boy itself. I don't know. Either way, it just doesn't doesn't do it for me.
1: At least he's not a dirty lazy boy. <laughs> uh, so um, I'm going to mention the name of one brewery just as a kind of high water mark of terrible names <laughs> and. Um, We'll just, we'll just move along after this. In Sacramento, there's a brewery called Special Eds. And the special here referred to uh, special needs children, like developmentally delayed right. folks. Kids and, you find in
0: special ed classes, Yeah, Yeah.
1: And uh, it even had um, a motto of—it's hard to say this out loud. This is really bad. Mm. TARD-tested, TARD-approved. This was so massively offensive. It is unbelievable, and of course, it went on. It went. It went viral on on uh, social media, and they got death threats, and it became very, very bad for them, very, very fast. Good, and it and it, and it should <laughs> have so right. It just you know you got to think this stuff through. You cannot be incredibly offensive, and um, you know. Yeah, it's
0: just, uh, that's just totally tasteless and classless. If and- you're making
1: fun of anybody, you should find out. Uh, you know why you're doing that what's wrong with your soul and not do that yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right all right uh so i uh in sort of the the uh uh the theme of just something i don't like without a particular category it's uh things with clown clown shoes mm
1: mm mm-hmm. I don't I like that ass clown. Ass like clown. That one. <laughs> that's what, <laughs> who thought that was that's, good. That one's even worse. That is barely but, better than special ads. And I don't know. There it is.
0: So, so uh, we'll talk more about this when we talk about good names. But they just—I mean—that's just sort of nothing to me. Like clown shoes. There's probably some funny story that you know that's interesting and cute backstory but i don't know and i don't really care and i'm not gonna be bothered to find out i'd like to sort of i'd like a brewery name to sort of say something to me
1: if you're gonna use a noun that is going to draw an immediate image in somebody's eyes i think it's a good idea to to choose a noun that has a positive kind of that people relate to they can see something interesting in their mind clown shoes is just weird because um Nobody likes clowns. <laughs> or so, just just even evil ones.
0: Apparently people really like evil clowns yeah, these right. days.
1: <laughs> uh, evil clown brewing. That actually, you might go somewhere with that. It's like evil twin. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a little another self venture. And here, I'm going to actually sort of pick on a, a, lo- a beloved local brewery, but um, but it's called Captured by Porches, which has apparently a cute backstory. and uh, um, But it's just another one of those that I find like, too self-referential like i'm not in on the joke kind of thing
1: i didn't know there was a backstory i've always liked captured by porches it's just weird it and it, it's like very memorable and i and it it makes me think huh captured by porches like what is that is there are see there, that's por- the difference between you and me i think
0: huh what is captured by Porches"? i don't i don't i don't care i don't want to have to find out i don't want to have to be in the know like no, it sounds just, like just, too inside just, baseball to me
1: i just like the I just envision porches roaming around and capturing people. <laughs> <laughs> Wild <laughs> porches. <laughs> it seems, yeah, exactly, roaming porches. Uh, that's think. because you have a
0: very uh, creative mind. I'm just a, an economist, so well, I don't know. All right, well, let's let's turn to. Ten, ten, well, do you have any? Wh- ten,
1: ten Barrel grew very big and got bought out by a behemoth and captured by porches. Remains tiny. So there you go. Take that for what? you Yeah.
0: Need. Oh, you have one more. You got to You got to talk about this one.
1: Oh, the our Colorado friends. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think some another example of a, a kind of a bad name that you can overcome is one um, very popular brand in America, New Belgium. Mm-hmm. It, I think everybody would tell you never to name your brewery New Belgium. Now, um, Belgian beer has never been that popular. People don't understand it. New Belgium just confuses the matter, and I think it's one of those things where Fat Tire was such a popular beer, it became that became the the thing that that. Carried the the brewery in, in like in spite of New Belgium, which is
0: yeah, not, not well, and Fat Tire has little to do with Belgian
1: beers, and so it, yeah, it's true. I mean, it uh, it was accessible, and it would seem to like be a fun.
0: decent name for a brewery if you were really going to focus on Belgian style beers and be maybe
1: yeah, uh, and they and they have always kept some connection to Belgium, but um, but it, it's just I, it, yeah, it's just a weird it's just a weird name that um, that could that I I could imagine. Most breweries have it getting bogged down by that, yeah. not, not getting out of that. So, yeah. um, all right, so I that's so, take all so, with a grain of salt. So, those are the
0: no-nos. Yeah. Now, now let's talk to let's talk about the, the names you like.
1: Yeah. So you you brought some, and I brought I, I organized mine by kind of different categories. I don't know how you did. Uh, I have no before. organization. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just wrote down the words I like. Oh, good. Uh, but I do actually have some thoughts about those things. Okay. So my first thought is, I like a name that. Is evocative to me of something. Uh, maybe it's sort of styles that the brewers like, or uh, a place, or a time, or something that just kind of brings forth some kind of emotional response. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was funny because we talked to that woman in the from the financing part of the uh, uh, sorry the beery part of the finance world talking about venture capital and things like that and she was saying well one thing you want to avoid is something that's too local like uh, if you want a brand to go national if you want to sell out to a big one right? Uh, but by the way that that's happening anyway for example Ballast Point is a good example I think of one anyway uh, the uh, I actually like those names because I think of beer especially craft beer as being a local product mm-hmm. as, as, a, as a product of a place and a time and so a little something about the place or something that evokes the place I like. Um, so You're I like this. Uh, well, you you actually hadn't had uh, um, an example, so I don't want to steal yours if you've got it down, which was um, Sierra Nevada.
1: Yeah. So Sierra Nevada's great because it's, uh, it's kind of more general. Mm-hmm. You said... Yeah, it would have been terrible if they called it Chico Beer Company. <laughs> Sierra Nevada is a, a larger, kind of more more general thing, and it seems to yeah. Well, what I really like it is
0: it's go. really evocative. I mean, it's it's a it it it, it plants an image in my head of. And if you've been to Chico, maybe it plants—not <laughs> quite the right image because Chico's in the middle of the valley. But, um, uh, but you yeah, see but it gives no, yeah, it's exactly. It gives you this image of the West and of the mountains, and I don't know. So I, I, I think that's pretty good. I think there's a lot of um, uh, versions of that. Even really local place names, like um, when you're really local, for example, in, in Portland, there's plenty of breweries that sort of are named after their neighborhood alameda brewing for example is burnside that's when burnside brewing is another one yeah. um that's super local but that's what these breweries are they're really local brew pub breweries um and that that i like as well
1: while we're on on name uh, on places um one cool thing that you can do if you want to do places is be a little bit oblique and mm-hmm. a couple that come to my mind are southern tier yeah. which everybody knows in 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 uh, the New York region. Uh, refers to a specific place but it's you kind of have to know what it refers to and if you don't then it's just kind of an interesting name and and it's fine not to know and and another one of those is midnight sun which is an alaskan brewery yeah and uh it it just sounds cool midnight sun first of all just sounds super cool and then when you learn oh it's there from alaska where you actually see the sun at midnight then it's also cool yeah so i think if i were thinking of a place name i would consider going for one of those kind of referential things that's Evocative, but not so specific, not so point on. Yeah,
0: I agree with you in Southern Tier, which is interesting because it is a really obscure name. I mean, I, having lived for five years in Ithaca, I know I know what the Southern Tier is and lived in the Southern Tier. But um, uh, but I think you're right. It's got it's a it's a name that's sort of interesting enough that if you don't know it's okay, and if you want to find out, that helps. You know, which is sort of against what I was saying that I don't want to have to find out. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's clearly, I mean. Uh, it's clearly referencing a geographic place and anyway I'm I'm kind of into that so cool all right Uh, next category for you
1: Uh, so there's a lot of adjectives Uh and I think adjectives mostly don't work um I think you have to be pretty pretty careful about that, but when they do work, I think they're pretty cool. There's a brewery called Lucid that actually had to change its name because there's an abs- absinthe company called Lucid ah. that, made that, that sued them. But but Lucid is just really a a, a wonderful word. It sounds great. Um, uh-huh. It it creates nice positive connotations, and it works with a mind altering drug. Um, it works like you know it has a resonance there. Um, our, we talk about gigantic brewing a lot here, mm-hmm. and it's one of those those things. The name itself um, is 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 kind of cool uh, on its own, but when you see the label and you know the... When you see the label particularly, which it's hard to see breweries without seeing the label, you get immediately that it's a joke because it's it's got this uh, superhero font, right. yeah. the comic book superhero font. So you realize immediately that it's a, it's, a, it's a joke. And then you find out that it's a tiny little brewery and they don't want to ever grow, and that's also really entertaining. So yeah. it, it's kind of self-mocking, but with... With fun. And uh, so I think adjectives are hard to work with, but when they work, they really work well.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't have categories, so I'm going to just gonna have to talk a couple couple things. But this one, um, uh, for me, works terminal gravity, mm-hmm. which is a brewing term. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also just a really cool name uh, um, that's out in uh, northeastern Oregon. Um, also like the name Alesmith. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a really nice nice name
1: Alesmith is one of those inventions mm-hmm. and when those work well they I, when those work they work really well and one we have here in, in town that we have mentioned I think from time to time called Hopworks mm-hmm. which is another great invented name that really Ale Alesmith uh, and Hopworks they kind of do the same thing they yep. tell you we're, we're building beers mm-hmm. and we're crafting beers it comes all right there yeah good names
0: uh, you also have Oakshire here which I think was a good it has a back, <laughs> backstory it used to be called something else and they got in trouble and then but then they created Oakshire, which is... And which they is couldn't be...
1: Yeah, because they had one of those uh, trademark disputes. And so they're like, yep. well, if we invent the name, then mm-hmm. no one's going to have that trademark. Yeah.
0: Uh, so I, I do actually have another a, a category, but I don't have a lot of examples. But I actually think that family names can work. Mm-hmm.
1: Totally. So, this is old school.
0: Especially when... Yeah. So I'm, I'm all in favor of family names. And especially when your family name sort of uh, is, works. Like Widmer Brothers, for example. Right. Like clearly a German name, and they're brewing. Uh, so I think Widmer Brothers is a really nice, a really nice name. I like that because I feel like it makes a personal connection. It's kind of like when you name your winery after yourself, or um,
1: yeah, Freem is that way. We've talked about the. Oh, ah, there you go. There's another which one is thanks. and it it shouldn't work because it 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 starts with a P. And then people don't know how to pronounce it. Is it frem? Is it freem? Is it freem? Yeah. And uh, people are always cautious to say is it, it out loud. Freem. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, I think it's become an asset just because it is so weird. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, another one that uh, that pops in my head when we were talking about just sort of place names is Hill, Hill Farmstead. Oh yeah. I love that because it's just very it's very evocative. It, it it puts an image in your head.
1: And it is um, both a name, a family name, and a place the hill family and the, for their farmstead.
0: Yeah, so I, that's a that's a beautiful name i think um uh i don't know what you categorize this is mm-hmm. it a place is it anyway uh, i just really like elysian. elysian yeah elysian is a great brewing it is okay, great brewery name
1: yeah there's a few of those out there that um you can you can grab that that are uh evocative of uh, his, historic a uh, mythical right context and those work um, I like little fun names and you know, when we were talking about this on, on Facebook, uh, a lot of people were like, well, it's really hard now and you have to go for weird names because all the trademarks are out there, which is just crap. <laughs> That's just a bad excuse for not having a good, uh, you know, thinking about things. Um, so uh, a few, I have three here that really, I, I've always really liked. Uh, one is now defunct pretty things in, uh, Boston, but, mm-hmm. uh, it was a beautiful, They had beautiful labels, and um, it just really worked with the brewery. In town, um, a fairly recent brewery that opened up in the last year or two is Little Beast. That refers to the yeast. You don't need to know that it refers to the yeast, but it does refer to yeast. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that's recent, so you could have had that trademark until the last year or two. And then there's this really cool brewery that I learned about in China called Bubble Lab. Which, Bubble Lab. That's super rock. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, there's uh there's a lot of ways to have fun and be creative and come up with cool names and I, I I I I challenge you to find anybody who doesn't smile when they hear the name Bubble Lab.
0: Yeah, that's a that's actually a really good way to think about brewery names. is think about the immediate emotional reaction you get when you Sometimes it's just fun, funny. Uh-huh. Sometimes it mm-hmm causes a feeling or creates an image in your mind so those are the things that are good i think or or makes you feel makes it familiar and that's why i like about family names it just sort of it feels familiar all of a sudden um it's not just a a product but it's from somebody to you <laughs> yeah uh and then then the stuff that just makes you cringe or is just kind of silly or stupid
1: bad bad don't go there <laughs> All yeah, right. and you have to live with let, let you know your your ideas that you're going to be in business for decades. Hopefully, that's what you're thinking. Yeah, so you so got to live with this thing.
0: Something that's funny this year. Yeah, don't do. That's actually a good point. Don't do any sort of. I can't think of a good example, but time sensitive.
1: There was one, and I I, I wrote this down. I wasn't really sure uh, uh, what I thought about it. It was exactly on this point. There's a New Zealand brewery called Yeasty Boys, uh, yeah. which is a a cool name. It yeah, refers, you one. know, it evokes Beastie Boys, but. Um, I don't know. I was gonna ask you about that, so maybe we'll throw that out to the audience too. Yeasty boys. Really yeah. really funny now, but in twenty years is that gonna be a good name or not?
0: Yeah, good point. Yeah, I can't think of another one off the There's gotta be some more other cultural references that are a little too yeah. too of the
1: of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it'll still work because it works as a brewery because they yeast is a thing in the beer, so I don't know. Yeah. It just it could just drop away that the the source you know. all right so let's you, turn you got something there in let's front of turn you. let's turn
0: back to, to fall beers for a second so as i mentioned i tend to this especially this summer i was all about the light lagers ls pelsners those things um now that the weather's cooler i want to come home and i want something a little bit more substantial and i also find myself looking more towards malt and mm-hmm. malt flavors and malt characteristics so what i have is a all-time classic i have the fuller's esb
1: yeah i think our very first pod when we talked about party guile beers we Surely I think we have, have we, this, yeah, like, yeah we had to have this on the on the pot this before is a, uh a a beer we clearly mm-hmm. like a lot uh
0: a classic english esb it's malt forward it has a beautiful it looks it's gorgeous it's gorgeous. just it looks autumn i mean yeah. it is autumn look at that it's sort of brown red uh nice and clear nice and bright um great head too yeah the head in the head's a little bit uh cream colored brown colored you get a little bit of the aroma and then just the aroma immediately is just of this wonderful it
1: smells like a pub
0: malt yeah biscuity malty it does it feels it smells like a you know a warm pub from coming in from the rain
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah a nice cozy pub ah one time patrick and i uh when we were doing our great Tour of, of uh, English breweries. We went to Brighton mm-hmm. after we left London. We went down to Brighton. and We stayed at a pub. We stayed over. We stayed at a, a kind of hotel that was above a pub.
0: Yeah, a traditional, a traditional public house where they've got rooms to let it, up, it, upstairs and yeah,
1: exactly. And it was not a nice pub. I mean, it wasn't like a you know, <laughs> no, it wasn't it was. a shishi pub. It was just a neighborhood pub, and they had a fire going. They had carpeting, which was a bad. Well, I was
0: about to say it was one of these. So if you go to England, especially if you get out of London. Uh, you'll often find these sort of pubs that were redone in the late 60s to yeah. the early 80s. And they have things like wall-to-wall, shag carpeting, <laughs> uh, other, other bad, and that's the main one. Um, uh, uh, more modern furniture, perhaps. Uh, but yeah.
1: We had a kind of nerve-jangling experience getting down to Brighton. We picked up a car in uh, Gatwick. Gatwick Airport. We took an airport, or we took a... A train down to Gatwick picked up our our rental and drove in the dark. Uh, I think it was might even have been raining down to mm-hmm. this pub and Patrick was just getting his uh Patrick was the driver and was just kind of getting his uh his sea legs underneath And my and mojo it, on it, you know riding on the wrong side of the road and all so when we got there, I remember thinking I remember being kind of amped up and and uh it was it, it was uh, it was a slightly uh anxious making moment and we walked into that pub. And it was it was a little bit funky, but it was also super cozy and welcoming, and it had that quality of coming in from the cold. Yeah, uh, the cold was more of a uh, it was cold actually, but it was also more of a kind of uh, uh, emotional cold. Yeah. And, Being the, in that and the and that pub was so nice.
0: Yeah, and the pub was kind of tucked away around the corner off the high street, and uh, clearly it's it's you get this experience a lot, especially in smaller towns in England. You walk in, and you know that everyone else in the pub goes there every night and knows you are the stranger and they look at you like oh (laughs) yep not unfriendly but just like no
1: actually with curiosity yeah with curiosity within 10 minutes we were at the at the bar talking up the locals and that was a really
0: good time yeah that's what's so nice about uh the english pub experience it's always a social experience you can always start chatting people up and usually you'll be uh, rewarded with great
1: conversation that beer reminds me of that experience
0: so this is uh, definitely a malt forward it's medium bodied it it kind of uh, it gives you a little warmth both from the uh, uh, from the body of the beer also uh, the alcohol in the beer um, it uh, um, I always uh, make the connection between these sort of Malty, biscuity malty, multi beers with, with fall leaves on the ground. That is sort of, that's what it, it that's my sense, right? Hmm. Um, sort of brown, brown leaves and brown beer and. Interesting. Yeah.
1: It's a synesthesia we have mm-hmm. going. I don't know. Uh, I don't get that, but I, I get <laughs> equally un you know, they're, they're, I can't really describe why a certain beer seems like fall, which yeah. is why this isn't a fun exercise.
0: Yeah. All right. So that's the Fuller's ESB. That's my first fall recommendation cool by the way it's a 5.9 percent beer so it's enough to warm you up but not to put you on the floor
1: right a, a booming giant in Eng- old english terms but yeah uh, not, not really yeah us.
0: and that's the american the export version yeah. i think the english version is a bit lighter but all right so uh now let's turn to our next little uh, grab bag item um <laughs> which i'm gonna let you uh uh introduce to us but uh you were uh, you posted a couple weeks ago, I think. It's been a couple weeks now. Um, on this uh, press release that came from Dogfish Head about their Liquid Truth Serum IPA.
1: Yeah. They they really just talked up. So it turns out... Like, uh, we'll describe this beer. I'm actually really excited to try this beer. It's probably a great beer. Um, it's a modern IPA. And they describe it as... Uh, uh, you know, in, in, in these terms of how it's... Um, um, like they're, they're really on the innovative cutting edge. And then when they describe the process, it is it is exactly the what you expect for the modern IPA. They they say they add uh every hop addition to this IPA after the boil is complete. So this is a hop bursted beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I was writing about hop bursting two or three years ago. I'd never even heard the term and now um you know breweries are putting it in the press releases. The thing is it's not innovative. Right. This, <laughs> is how, <laughs> this is how every brewery right now is making beers. And it kind of cuts against Dogfish Head's, you know, claim to fame as the 60 minute IPA. Was you know, Sam Collagione was figured out how to uh, continuously hop his uh, his beer. By do you know the story about the, the original technique that he had?
0: Uh, I believe it was one of those old vibrating football games. Yeah, <laughs> totally.
1: And he would and he would put hops on them, and they would dribble off. They would like shake them off continuously over the course of the boil. Which is exactly the opposite of the way uh, people make IPAs now. Right. So it just goes to show that you have to innovate to keep up with the times. Yeah. I don't know if everybody saw my uh, my ha- my air quotes there, but
0: yeah. Uh, I think it's always uh, a, a little bit tricky when you try to uh, sell yourself as sort of the, a pioneer of a new of a new technique. I mean, for the most part, these things are all. Uh, little incremental uh, advances that brewers make. And um, I'm thinking, just for example, of the the fresh hop technique that uh, Ben Edmonds did at Breakside that we potted about a couple of years ago where he uses liquid nitrogen to freeze. I mean, so... You know that's pretty innovative. That's, that's pretty something innovative. brand new. But for most part, it's just these little, these little different changes we make. We start adding hops at the end and into the cold side, and more and more. And we start figuring out how that works. And and then people keep talking, and they all just it sort of evolve. So I think it's always a little jarring to me when I see a press release that says something about how they've basically you know disrupted the whole in- 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 industry by. No, I'm, I'm, I'm. They didn't say this, but, <laughs> but the implication: we've disrupted the whole industry through our amazing innovations. And
1: yeah, this word "innovative" is is now become fused with the identity of craft beer, and yeah. people feel like they have to say that they've been innovative, even if they've been, um, you know, derivative. Yeah, or uh, what's the word when you're, you know, like, um, coll- it's it's like a not collaborative, but downstream collaborative. I can't think of the word that would be. That I'm talking about there, but um, th- it is how things go. You know, yeah. back in the day, the rappers were sampling other music, mm-hmm. and it was it, you know that's how that's how stuff goes. Yeah, I have right. one. Since since we're talking about, uh, you didn't expect me to do this, but I'm going to throw in one other uh, press release I got. That go for it. is, uh, it's not it's not misleading, but um, it was the moment that I thought the word craft must have died. Uh, I got a, a press release from. K- Catawba Brewing, C-A-T-A-W-B-A. These guys are from Asheville. Okay. Or North Carolina. Maybe not Asheville, North Carolina. And it said, in honor of National Coffee Day, Dunkin' Donuts and Catawba Brewing uh, partnered to create a cold brew pumpkin-flavored beer utilizing the Dunkin' ingredients everyone loves so it oozes with authentic taste down to the last drop. Dunkin' Donuts... uh, a duncan pumpkin brown ale is the first ever and only beer in the country to include original Dunkin' donuts flavoring ingredients i think
0: i think i got this one too
1: this but, is but you actually read yours this is not craft this is the opposite of craft uh, flavoring oh, ingredients man. so um anyway yeah I get, I get press releases. it is innovative though so i'll do that <laughs> i guess in a, in a certain sense uh, all right, right. We, All right. Can, we can move on past that. All right, yeah.
0: so uh, the next bit that um, I wanted to talk to you about a little bit um, and and uh, pick your brain is a few weeks back, actually, it's been almost a month now, when the GABF, the Great American Beer Festival, happened.
1: Yeah, late September, early October, something like that.
0: Yeah, so, um, and of course, uh, during the Great American Beer Festival, there's a big uh, judging competition, and beers are awarded gold, silver, and uh, bronze in their categories, uh, and uh, lots of um, press releases are released, and lots of lots, lots is made about who wins and who loses. And what you were really interested in is what really does a, a GABF medal uh, mean to brewers themselves?
1: Right. Um, they invest a lot of money and time into these things, and you know what's the what's the benefit to the brewery? And I think most people, including me, uh, imagine that it has something to do with the marketing value mm-hmm. that you'll be able to tell people, you know, I want a gold medal at, at the GABF, and isn't it great? Yeah. Um, w- w- when, in fact, there are something like nearing 300 medals at the GABF, right. and, and these, this thing has been going on for 35 years or something, so so many breweries already have medals that to the consumer, it doesn't really seem like it's probably going to move a lot of uh, sales. And, and when I talk to brewers, they, they're like, yeah, that's actually not the big value. Yeah. Um, though I did talk to a few brewers after that post and found out that in certain circumstances, it really can be a value. Our friend Alan Taylor, friend of the pod, yep. out at House, won gold for Pilsner.
0: Yeah, one of my all-time favorite beers, so I was really excited.
1: I know, me too. And apparently, uh, sales have been going off the, the rails for him. It's like, everybody wants that beer.
0: So this is actually, I wanted to ask you exactly this question, and exactly about this beer, and him, because I know you talked to him. Which is, it seems to me that for a, a very small, pretty new brewery, like House that brews beers that aren't, haven't been traditionally... Uh, um, uh, the big market faves like the big IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, you go to the supermarket locally and you can find uh, sometimes some sort of house beer, and usually it's um, the Pilsner uh, and the Kolsch, I think, are the two right. ones that they're uh, bottling and pushing most. And thought to myself, you know, a little label, a little little metal on the label uh, saying JBF Golden Medal Pilsner might actually help it sort of pop off the shelves in this crowded marketplace
1: yeah i think and i think not that they
0: do that they're not at least so far they haven't put it on the label
1: right and i think there is some advantage depending on uh what you know what your circumstances are how big a brewer you are Mm uh what the category is um those things how how new you are as a brewer if anybody's ever heard of you they haven't heard of you i think i've had this experience where i'll be watching the GABF, and some oregon brewery will win a medal that i've never heard of right and all of a sudden they're on my radar so yeah. that you know that stuff definitely matters
0: yeah but does it matter to the, the the geeks or does it matter to the the broader audience i guess so uh there's enough people clearly who've figured out that ziggle pills got a gold medal or did really well and they're searching for it now but the casual beer drinker doesn't matter
1: I think it might if they, I mean, it's a matter of then becomes a communication issue. But uh, there are so many breweries in the country and so many, and multiply that by 50, the number of beers, Mm -hmm. that if you can put something out there that says there's this exterior, external uh, uh, criteria, you know, that's not just marketing gloss, innovative, 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 that says this is actually a good beer, then that helps. I think that might help buying decisions. You don't
0: see it too much. Like, I I recall years ago when uh, Bridgeport IPA won some medals and they would have they for a long time they had those on the label maybe Mm -hmm. they do still i don't i don't know i haven't they don't yeah i think they took them off so for a long time they would say look we won the gold medal at i think some beer competition in england
1: England or something yeah exactly yeah yeah. so
0: it was kind of a big deal i mean for sure but but it was part of the marketing and i don't you don't see that much on labels these days
1: yeah and that was interesting when i talked to the brewers they said yeah the value really is uh for the brewery itself Mm. so um, one of the things is we get to go and see which breweries win the medals mm-hmm. so we get to taste beers from other medal winning breweries and that kind of helps calibrate our palate to see where the market is to right. see where the you know the, the standards are it helps us because we get tasting notes back and they you know it's an somebody objective who's looking at our beer and tasting our beer so right. we can kind of get some sense of that and if they do happen to win um, it does really jazz the brewery up and so it's a nice it's a nice way to you know, get people excited within the, the brewery and as I, I think it was gary fish uh said you know we're human beings and we're competitive right. and so it's nice to win medals sure yeah <laughs> uh that gary fish of uh, deschutes brewing yeah
0: i get that it's yeah i'd be i'd be curious to know for some of the more established brewers well if 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 they can see much of an impact on on sales.
1: Yeah, I don't think they probably do. I talked to Matt Brindleson at, at Firestone Walker, and they uh-huh. won maybe more than medals than anybody yeah. on the planet. And, you know, one more is absolutely, it's hard to imagine that it's right. going to help. And he, he said, the truth is, people now expect us to win every time. And if we don't, it's kind of. It's, That's the news. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It stresses oh, yeah. me out. <laughs> he set the bar too high. <laughs> so that, uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: Firestone Walker going downhill because they only won four
1: golds. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, I, I, I discovered this fact, and I didn't ever tweet it out or mention it to anybody. But um, you can only enter four beers, and uh-huh. uh, I noticed that Breakside took four bronzes, and mm-hmm. I was like, ah, poor, poor Breakside—they didn't get anything besides bronze. But they also won with all four beers they submitted, which is kind of impressive. Pretty amazing, so, yeah. yeah. Interesting, too. I just thought I'd throw that out there for... Yeah. For well, that's the other thing about
0: the medals, which is, you know, every year this, there's a new judgment. And uh, last year, I think it was, that Breakside won the IPA medal. And then...
1: Maybe two years two ago. Two years
0: ago. And, and you know... Uh, so, uh, over the course of a number of years, you'll have a whole bunch of different IPAs that are all gold medal winners, for example. And so, it it I imagine that if, you, if too many people were spouting that... Um, Uh, that achievement that consumers would quickly get tired and not really think too much about it
1: yeah I think that's right and there's got to be an expiration date you know saying (laughs) you want something 1993 is probably not going to impress anyone (laughs) (laughs) so uh, you were going to I'm going to open this next beer but I want you to talk about clusters Is Uh, is this where we're talking about clusters
0: yeah Let's talk about clusters. Uh, but tell us about the beer while you're opening first. We
1: because we've got some econ coming down yeah. the pipe here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Well, another beer that I uh, – this actually is not a, a, a style of beer I was, uh, that I associated with the fall until I went to Germany. Mm-hmm. In Franconia, which is the northern part of Bavaria. It's actually right. part of the Bavarian state now. It was originally a, its own a separate region and mm-hmm. Franconians do not consider themselves Bavarian. That's correct. Uh, <laughs> I, I experienced
0: that this summer. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: they have a really cool thing that the the breweries of Franconia do, uh, which is called Bach beer on stitch. Mm-hmm. And it happens in the fall, and all the breweries release their own Bach beers. Mm-hmm. And you can go around. They have big tapping days, and you go to the brewery, and they roll out the on stitch, which is the barrels mm-hmm. that they tap kind of like cask Uh Uh, and um, you drink you know you drink it and then for for however long the the batch of beer lasts you know two weeks to a month something like that they'll serve that at the pub and they you can go online and you can see which what the dates are for the different ones and you can actually go around and people do go around to different breweries and and have the different uh, sample the different Bach beers And when I went, uh, we visited Schlenkerle in Mm -hmm. Bomberg, which is the famous beer brewery. Mm -hmm. And they had just released their Urbach, which I was delighted to find at Belmont Station. Wow. So this bad boy is 6.5%, I think, uh, which for German beer is pretty darn big. And, uh, yeah, 6.5%. And it's a really tasty beer. So we'll have this. And it's very, uh, you know, Franconia in in the winter is... In the fall, it's starting to get cold, so it's that warming thing, and these yep. things are bigger and, yeah. and maltier and all the things that we've been looking yeah. about.
0: Yeah, and I had grabbed a, a fairly run-of-the-mill Oktoberfest beer as well because that's sort of an obvious thing to think about in the fall. But this one's definitely more special, so I'm interested
1: in yeah. trying this. People don't tend to go to uh, Franconia and just, they don't travel in, in October, but um, there are some... There's some interesting stuff going on. This is one of them. So if you mm-hmm. find yourself in, in Franconia in October, you'll have a good time. Or
0: just go to your local beer store. Maybe you can find the...
1: Well, it's nice, but Franconian October is better than... Oh, September. well, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> and in fact... well, whoa, well, we'll get to that later. Uh, That's uh, a very I, dark beer. I declared one place the best place to drink beer in the world, and someone... It was not Franconia, and somebody on the blog commented and said uh actually franconia is the best and it it's debatable <laughs> I'll, I'll allow that as a as a possible
0: and what was your pick your pick was czech republic right
1: are we going to do the theses later oh okay yeah we'll, it's it's a, we'll, we'll it's get a thesis. <laughs> it's one okay. of my theses all right let's talk about clusters while, while we're tasting this
0: yes uh so actually this is i'll not, drink this you talk about clusters yeah this is not not a not a huge point but uh something that i wanted to mention at some point on the pod uh i I had told you a little bit of a backstory, but I won't get into the details, except that my mother brought me a beer. Um, she was off traveling, and she was excited to, to bring it to me. I tasted it. Um, it was heavily recommended by locals, and I thought it was just sort of an average beer. And it got me thinking, this is this is a beer from a place that doesn't have a huge uh, huge number of breweries around. And I was thinking that uh, it must be quite difficult to be a brewer in a place where you're fairly isolated, where you don't have a whole lot of uh, uh, other brewers to talk to, other brewers' beers to taste constantly, uh, breweries to visit. Um, because it seems to me that brewing, uh, in brewing, there's a lot of shared knowledge and collective knowledge. And in economics, we have this idea called uh, clusters, which is that like industries tend to clump together because there's a lot of economies of scale and scope we talk about. Um, there's a lot of uh, talent that gets created that can be shared around. There are technologies that are created that can be... Uh, used um, uh, portland is famous for having a cluster of sportswear industry uh, uh companies so of course this is the headquarters of, of nike <coughs> out in beaverton but also adidas north american headquarters look at, located here under armor just opened up an office in portland columbia sportswear and on and on there's a whole bunch of uh Uh, Sportswear firms, and you might ask, well, why? Keen, Keen. (laughs) shoemaker. Yeah, so you might ask, why? Why all in one place? Well, to an economist, it makes sense because uh, you're creating a whole uh, uh, pool of talent here that um, can move from firm to firm, um, share knowledge, uh, have a a set of skills that are valuable, um, and you also have this sort of um, environment in which uh, there's both sort of competition and and, uh, not Maybe not explicit cooperation, but implicit cooperation, because you often hire away talent from each other's places, you look at each other's products, and you think about how they're done and replicating some of the same ideas and riffing off of some similar ideas. <coughs> So in economics, it makes a lot of sense. It's often a very successful thing. Often, uh, cities are uh, try to proactively promote clusters in certain areas. Portland famously didn't do a very good job, but they wanted to uh, create a cluster in biotech. Hmm. Part of the problem is that every big city wants a biotech cluster. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, we have we have a we have a couple of clusters, right? So we also have mm-hmm. advertising. That's another big cluster. Advertising,
0: a big cluster. There's a whole. Uh, there's a whole. Um, you kind of call it a cluster um, of uh, 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 computer chip manufacturers. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a big Intel plant out here, but then a whole bunch of spin-offs. My brother works for a, a company that does uh, specialized component parts for um, specialized chips, basically. And they have an office... Uh, out on the west side of Portland as well. So there's different there's different clusters. Um, and uh, the idea is that they'll grow faster, they'll be more successful, and, and they'll uh, be able to um, compete better because costs will be lower uh, for all those. And I was thinking that that's probably true in craft beer as well.
1: Oh, it's 100% true. This is absolutely true.
0: Yeah, and so one of the reasons that Portland is such an amazing market for beer is not just because there's a great demand out there, because on the supply side you have these brewers that are going... They're working from brewer to brewer to brewer. They're learning all these different techniques. They start their own breweries. They go back and they talk. They taste each other's stuff. For the most part, it's a pretty friendly and open industry still. Uh, And so I think that uh, it becomes uh, self-fulfilling. It becomes a virtuous cycle that that really lifts the whole industry in an area.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And there's one other dimension in beer that is not really so much the case with uh, some of the larger industries like uh, sportswear, which is um, the consumer base is local. Mm -hmm. And so the feedback that you get on the quality of your product, uh, depends on the sophistication of the local consumer, which, you know, for shoes is, is, is your worldwide market. But, um, for beer, if you are, if you're one of these breweries, like you talked about, we didn't name any names. Mm -hmm. Um, you may get a lot of accolades because, uh, People there are not very sophisticated because there is only one or two breweries right, but if you take that same brewery and drop it in the center of Portland, it may not get a lot of attention because uh, everybody here already knows what good beer is like and there there are so many options it's very difficult to cut through uh, with with uh, even you know above average beer you really have to if you want to hit the ground running here you gotta have pretty good beer and yeah and if you're
0: isolated it's hard to become a better brewer and it's hard to hire people who can bring something new to your brewery and you know it's uh, uh i can imagine it's very hard to grow uh sort of personally and professionally in in an isolated place like that
1: and those externalities that you talked about we have a maltings here we have hops growing here we have two yeast pl- uh, labs you know, right you you know yeah. So so why do that's and that's the, another
0: question about why do clusters sort of end up where they are, and there's a whole bunch of reasons, usually not one. Uh, but part of the reason that we such a vibrant cluster here is because we had sort of the preconditions, we had the hops fields, and we had the right climate, and uh, certain laws were changed at the right time, and so on and so forth. So um, so I just I just it had sort of occurred to me in the past, but it really fleshed itself out in my mind. Tasting this beer and thinking that I, what I thought was a really sort of mediocre beer, and it was so highly recommended to my mother, and I started thinking about the difference between being in, in, a, in a saturated market like this, and I wasn't really blaming the brewer. It's just it's just very hard if you're if you're isolated. I think.
1: So. Yeah, and I, I going back to the GABF, I think that's one of those one of those advantages for breweries is you go to the GABF, and all of a sudden you can have that experience of the cluster. You're mm-hmm. tasting other people's beers. You're talking to other breweries, and you can kind of take your you know take a measure of yourself against yeah. the best all Speaking right. so of yeah beer. so i was about
0: to say i kind of stepped on your beer tasting there so tell us about oh this not beer. at all we have plenty of time
1: <laughs> well you should taste this it's right. a, whoo, that's a schlinker man
0: yeah. <laughs> okay well for, ooh, wow it's that is a ro- uh a um um smoky. smoke yeah. yeah
1: that's what i was about to say roast business smoky smoky beer so, Schlenkerle, uh malts their own beer, and they malt it pretty dark. So, this is they when they when they malt their beer, they use it over an open fire, which is what gives it the smoke. Malt their grain, you mean? Yes, malt their grain. What did I say? Beer. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> which would, would be more of a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when they malt their their barley, they um, they malt it. You you know, you can malt it to different colors, and they get it quite dark. Mm-hmm. uh, roast and some red hues coming through. Yeah, quite. Yeah. It's dark and very red. Mm-hmm. And so their basic beer, which is they call it. Wow. is quite dark. And then this is a, a stronger version made with those malts.
0: Wow. That's really good. Yeah. And I don't like smoke. I, I think we, I think we might've had their, uh, their regular beer on the, on the pod before. Yeah. And I said the same thing, which is I'm not a big fan of, of smoke, smoke beers, but that's just so, uh, uh, integral to the beer mm-hmm. rather than to me just sort of a flavor on top that's interfering uh,
1: I think that's a good point
0: I, I don't know how you I don't know how better to describe it than to say it's sort of buried within the heart of the beer and so it just sort of comes out in a very natural way rather than just being kind of this offensive thing on top which is what I usually think of smoke
1: yeah yeah that's really mm. perceptive of you sir mm. oh that's nice it's got that's, the mal- a, that's a good fall beer that yeah. is a good fall beer yeah. yeah that's a good fall beer and, and it has the um if you have three or four swallows, then the malt starts to pop out. the smoke drops back just a hair, and you can taste those sweeter, richer malts, which are nice
0: so that would that would be a, a, an amazing beer with some sausage yeah <laughs> that is that's a beer for sausage if there ever was one it is often mentioned in that capacity <laughs> is that right yeah <laughs> uh awesome all right so now I want to turn to your uh um your great uh <laughs>
1: A great statement of a uh,
0: great statement of dissent against the I don't know actually what uh, your nine point five theses.
1: Yeah, so on Halloween, uh, uh, Halloween or was it November first, whatever it was, is the was the 500th, uh, 500th anniversary of Martin Luther issuing his ninety five theses, mm-hmm. which started the Protestant Reformation and right. Right, uh, was a bill of particulars against the Catholic Church for corruption and. All that stuff.
0: And I think yours are no less important. Thank you. And no less monumental. Well, maybe, you know, scaled, of course. (laughs) One-tenth. One-tenth is important. One-tenth is
1: monumental. Yes, one-tenth is monumental. (laughs) Um, Beer is one-tenth as monumental as uh, the Catholic Church.
0: Oh, I don't know about that.
1: Uh, Well... One-tenth as monumental uh, as the Catholic Church was the then, let's say. Okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) They were uh, kind of a... (laughs) The
0: religion religion of beer has grown quite a bit, and Catholicism
1: has settled down. It's settled down. Its it's influence has been separated out. Yeah. I don't know. Should I just trot through these and throw them out? I will say I expected... Usually, I I love, as a blogger, to issue edicts, (laughs) and uh, I always believe well until until fairly recently for the first 10 years I was doing this I always believed that my having issued an edict meant that um it wouldn't be broadly accepted and I learned that it was never broadly accepted or even remotely accepted well that's crazy so people always fought me like dogs but to my shock I got almost no pushback on this I got hosannas so I'm pretty I'm feeling pretty good or maybe I'm you know, maybe I have just absorbed hive mind, and I'm giving really average things. I'm not sure what to say. But. I think people have just got religion, and they now understand where where the after, truth comes from. After right? ten years of edicts, they've finally fallen in line. Yeah, exactly. I see. That's a. I'm going to go with that. That's better, uh, <laughs>
0: This is good. This is good. This is good maturation <laughs> of hear. Yeah, if you're a religion here.
1: I'll say one, and if you have anything to say, you can pop in. Otherwise, yeah, go I'll for go it. Go through them. All right, uh, they're not really numbered, but I'll, you know. I'll say them in the order I wrote them. Yes. Experience is more important than flavor. Absolutely. Yeah. This is, and I think. um, And we've talked about this a lot. We've talked about this a lot. Yeah. So, flavor is really important when you're judging a beer and you're judging a beer against another beer. Um, The brewer's art is an important part of the whole thing. But in terms of the experience to the drinker, um, the context that you had, I just talked about that trip we had in Brighton. Yeah. I remember that so vividly, much more vividly than, you know, I might have had an amazing beer three or four years ago and it's very it's very difficult to remember amazing beers it's unforgettable when you talk about experiences yeah and
0: and, and and what's amazing to me at least personally it's true that these experiences can change your perception forever of a beer or just they have right. such a long lasting thing like so go, go have go have a, a you know a best bidder in a great English pub on a perfect day and you'll never think of best bitters again uh, the same way uh, and it'll And every time you then drink a bitter in a different place, it'll it'll evoke this memory. And I had the same thing, you know, sitting in my beer garden in Munich this past summer and drinking a Hellas and thinking you know, I'd I never thought much about Hellas ever before. <laughs> and then suddenly Hellas is just maybe the best beer ever. Made. <laughs> and this is, this is, this is the most perfect way to drink beer and the perfect beer to drink. Uh, and so it just, it sticks. It, it really, it really sticks. Yeah. So experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 and just to sort of ta- tag on to that is, uh, if you like beer, then you should go and seek out these experiences.
1: That's, Perfectly said. I got nothing to add. You, okay. you said it better than I did. All, right. all the way down the line. Good man. <laughs> uh my second one is your preferences are more important than my preferences. And the point here is that uh we can only uh we, we like the beers we like. And whatever is in your mouth, if you if it pleases you, it doesn't matter what I say, you should drink the beer that pleases you and not not be swayed by fashion or peer pressure. Yeah, we're we're
0: similarly minded folks, so you don't expect me to object too much. I but I do. I, I get really annoyed by people who who want to sort of uh, decide that some beer is terrible and nobody should be drinking. Anyone who drinks about it, drinks it is an idiot. And yeah. I mean, yeah. There's. I mean, first <laughs> off, there's just no point. Like, let, let people enjoy what they want to yeah. enjoy, and and their enjoyment is is good. You should like that they enjoy whatever it is, even if it's Bud Light or or a uh, chalada or whatever <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep not for me but if uh, if floats your boat and it gives you the experience you want, by God, do it.
0: All right, I'm with you, Martin Luther. Let's go. All
1: right, subtlety is harder to achieve than intensity. And we've talked a lot about this, too. This is one of those things where um, craft beer and, uh, you know, when people get very excited about beer, they want really intense flavors. The more they learn about beer, the more they learn about the way that harmony and uh, flavor interact, the more they start to appreciate subtlety Mm -hmm. and the accomplishment that comes with it. And um, when you talk to brewers, Brewers tend not to say that their favorite beers are imperial you know, barrel-aged imperial stouts. They say their favorite beers are pilsners or things yeah. like that, and that's because they can appreciate the the accomplishment in a beer like in a pilsner much much better.
0: Yeah, it's it's much harder to 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 hide faults, and then it's also, and I think one of the most important things for for a for a, a going brewery or um, is that these subtle beers are very hard to replicate. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna if you're gonna make a subtle beer and to make it consistent. Batch after batch after batch of a batch is a real, a real skill, real art. Yep. Very hard. You can usually monkey with an IPA and get it, get it working.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, and, and you can always make it taste more, but to make it taste better is hard. Yeah. Good. Uh, Prague is the finest place to drink beer. Ah, interesting. And this is the this is the Franconia comment, which I'll allow. Um, partly it's because I think the Czech Republic is the best place to drink beer. And Prague is such an extraordinary town that, I mean, you know, in between beers, you can go to castles and cathedrals and whatnot.
0: Yeah, the only so I'm gonna uh, at, at risk of getting castigated once again for for failing in my in my duty to experience Prague beer culture. Uh, I will just say that Prague is also at least in the summer. I don't know how much it changes in the winter, but Prague in the summer is just overrun by tourists, and so that would be the one thing I would say hmm. is is a it would. Um, uh downgrade my my drinking experience. I actually, based on your recommendation, found a, a, a great beer bar, uh way off the beaten track. Um and there were tourists there, but it wasn't there were plenty of locals and it wasn't overrun at all and, and I enjoyed myself but uh but I felt Prague a little overwhelmed by tourists.
1: Well I'm a poor guy and I only travel in the winter and there's no tourists anywhere in the winter. Yeah, that's Prague. why I, I I really should <laughs> go back to
0: Frog because Frog is such a cool city. So uh, and the people were fantastic there. I thought. Yeah, a great time. So it, I don't really hard. have I don't have enough experience
1: that, like you to to say, but I'll, I'll accept it. There are th- this one is the most dubious. Um,
0: well, but I, I guess I would go back to the the, the point about experience. Though, exactly. Is, yeah. Yeah,
1: and and you know you're gonna you're gonna enjoy what you enjoy, and um, because this is the the one that's dubious. Uh, the reason, partly, one of the reasons I put this in here is because when people talk about uh, beer, beer t- tourism and beer travel, mm-hmm. they never think the Czech Republic. Ah, you know, well, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, and so there's a little advocacy there. Oh yeah, no, you can't, you, you absolutely can't
0: especially if you're gonna. I mean, if you're gonna be in in Bavaria. I mean... It's right there. It's a, it's a three-hour drive. I've done the drive. <laughs> it's yeah. three hours. It's easy. It's so easy to get to Prague. Yeah. Uh, so do it. Yeah. And there's great beer. Oh, man, there's good beer.
1: That's the thing. It's oh, got to have good beer. got to... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next one, Guz is the most accomplished beer in the world. We've talked about uh, Lambics, and Guz is the, um, the, the Lambic that is uh, a blend of one, two, and three-year-old lambic Mm -hmm. um there may be a little bit of advocacy here but also um the whole the whole process of producing one of these beers is so astonishingly complex (laughs) that i can't believe that it ever turns out well and um it's my favorite beer Mm -hmm. in terms of uh uh, all the things that go into it and the the complexity and a really good one has the kind of harmony that uh, can't be matched anywhere else as much as i like other beers and i like all other beers um goes astonishes me so i a bit of an advocacy here too yeah um there you go
0: yeah i i uh i'll just the only only comment i'll make is that um it wasn't until we y- you and i visited ben arzner at black 15 in corvallis years ago and it wasn't until i was with him and watching him uh um do and talk about his process of blending
1: that i really started to appreciate the art of blending Um, well this gets to my next point which is uh if you want to tour brewers breweries go to belgium and if you go to belgium for god's sakes tour breweries (laughs) uh you you learn so much when you go when you tour breweries and i really think uh for some reason people don't tour them and there's there's public tours all over the places you can often get private tours you can you can just email uh, uh breweries and say hey I'm a guy in in Oregon, and I'd love to tour your brewery. Are you free? Uh, you'll you'll be surprised at how many times just c- civilians uh, will will get in. Maybe not at the the largest, most famous breweries, but um, more more often than you would think. And even if you can't do that, the public tours are great, and yeah. you, you get like the the eighty percent experience that way. And you then you get to see things like how these beers are made, mm. and, and it it really opens them up. And um, I mentioned Belgium just because. Uh, the Belgian breweries are the the most weird and dissimilar uh, from each other so each one you go to is 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 fascinating Mm -hmm. so um, tour breweries is really what that point is all about and and I was always shocked at people who go to Belgium a lot of people go to Belgium on uh, beer tours and they don't actually tour any of the breweries like get into those brew houses it's good stuff right uh the next one I which I didn't even feel that I needed to Write anything about is because it's just so self-evidently true. Beer is objectively superior at the dinner table to wine. Now, my readers are all beer people, so it's perhaps less uh, controversial. There was no
0: pushback in that.
1: (laughs) It's just because there's so many more flavors in beer. You can just the flavor matching is just so much more. You know, it's just way easier with beer. That's
0: true. There is a much broader spectrum. That's that's definitely true.
1: Yeah, that's that's really the point. Yeah. And I don't
0: I don't really have much to say. I like beer, I like wine. I'm not going to get in but
1: yeah. Again, advocacy. Yep. Um, you go to a fine restaurant, and they're still trying to push the same old damn Pino. Like, I, I will dude. say
0: I will say that yeah, that, that it, uh, uh, as part of the advocacy beer still has a long way to go, especially in finer restaurants, yeah. to be accepted as a as a legitimate Dinner drink, and I I'd be fascinated to know. Like, there's some pretty famous high level chefs here in Portland who have embraced beer, but I I'd be fascinated to know how much uh, some of the you know movers and shakers, the bigger chefs in the world, really think of beer as a as a as a food pairing.
1: Those Michelin guys still giving it no respect.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure of that. So anyway, Uh, but after they read your thesis, then that's right. They'll it'll transform (laughs) (laughs) um
1: the next one this is definitely getting no pushback from you cask bitter is the most underrated beer in the world absolutely there it is done it's just uh it's just the case it's 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 one of those beers that's not respected here in the states and even in in the uk i think it's not given the came some kind of it's not accorded the same respect that local traditional beers are accorded in their own countries elsewhere so that's why I think it's underrated. Yeah. You know, the, the I Bavarians, know exact, I know exactly the Bavarians love and defend their helices way more than the, the Brits defend their... Yeah, their
0: and basketball. someone made a comment, said, well, there's an organization that has all these members. It. But the fact that there has to be this organization with all these members speaks to the fact that <laughs> it's something that needs to be defended. And, and you're exactly right. If you go to Germany, if you go to Czech Republic, there's all these local beers and traditions that are being, that are just sort of almost uh, sacrosanct. Yeah, that nobody has to defend because they're just that's just there they'll always be there and so yeah absolutely 100 percent agree
1: uh unless you come to oregon or washington in late september you don't understand fresh hot beers and this is one of those ones i had to write the most about to unpack it it's just the case that it's very difficult to find uh, one that's well made to begin with and that is in the right moment when you drink it for you to really experience the capacity of fresh hops to pop, the yeah. window is narrow. And if your local brewery has its own hot fields and makes three of these beers and you try one of them once a year, it's just the likelihood <laughs> that that's, that's at where it needs yeah. to be is not going to happen. So you got to come here and drink like. Thirty of them. Yeah, and the so part session. of
0: that's part of that's just the proximity of the hop fields, and part of that again, I get back to my cluster thing, which is that yeah. I think I think exactly. the brewers a
1: perfect example yeah, of the, the cluster. Bre- the brewers
0: are just figuring out fresh hops still, um, and it's only been the last couple of years I think that you've really seen the potential of fresh hop beers. I mean, I love them for years and years and years, accepting sort of their faults. Yeah, but now you get ones that are sort of faultless and amazing. But you can drink it on a Tuesday. And it's okay. You drink it on a Friday, and it's amazing, fantastic. And you drink it on a Sunday, and it's kind of Back too to too late. Yeah. yeah. So it's just you have to be here. You have to be trying a lot, and you and you just you got to just revel in the the moments where you find the one that's peaking.
1: <laughs> that cluster thing—it's a perfect example of cluster because that information sharing yeah. uh, made it just go so much faster. Perfect. Yeah. All right. The last one um, is the the five best styles of beer mm-hmm. and this is the thing i ask I, I, have i ever asked put you on the spot on this one my, my my thing is you're on a desert island you only ever have five styles of beer for the rest of your life
0: i'm not sure you've at, you've put me on the spot of this but i know i know your your uh your reticence to to name yours
1: yeah i, I <laughs> nobody else has been reticent and in fact and i always like to mention this too uh, Stan Hieronymus, the great beer writer. Mm-hmm. I asked him this and he said, uh Saison. 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 Yeah. It's like the best answer I ever got. <laughs> I don't think it's actually how he feels, but it was a spectacular answer. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean I could I could come up with five, sure. I, I don't I don't I could do it.
1: Uh well here they are. Would you okay. like to hear them? Yes, I'd like to hear them. All right. Uh the first one that we already mentioned is, is Goose. Okay. It's be goose. gotta be good. Uh, the second is Pilsner. Um and as I write, let's not be pedantic and try to narrow it down to an unnecessary subcategory thereof. Pilsners adequate it doesn't have to be okay. Checked Wilson, or whatever. Yeah. The third is exactly. Yeah. There we are. <laughs> okay. Nine point five thesis. Yeah. <laughs> Subtle. <laughs> Subtle. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh,
0: All right. Let's get back to let's get back to the fall beers. And yeah, we got roster. one more. All right. So as I was saying, my palate uh, is now more seasonal than it used to be. I used to be a 12-month-of-a-year IPA, big IPA guy. Um, and now in the summer, I'm drinking fewer. Actually, this is one of the reasons I love the whole session IPA, because now I can drink some hoppier uh, beers without being so heavy. But one of the things that I like in the fall, of course, is a little bit of a warmth sensation, warm sensation when I drink my beer. Uh, and a nice big IPA uh, that has a fair amount of alcohol it is uh, not unwelcome on a cold, blustery day uh, when I'm ready to settle down. Uh, So I actually went out to look for an IPA. I was was gonna look for one that was a little more uh, um, medium bodied a little more old school in terms of more piney. Uh, so I found something kind of like that, but also is just something that I couldn't resist when I saw it, which is Hair of the Dog's Blue Dot IPA, which has been around forever. And it's but one of your faves. It's, it's, it's an all-time fave, pers- yeah. persistent fave. Right um, I'm pretty sure, and you probably know this for a fact that... Oh, uh, there you oops, go. Sorry, I kind of let the gas out <laughs> slowly. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that he tinkers with the recipe.
1: Uh, oh, does he? That would be I, interesting. I'm not 100% sure, but... It is a seasonal, so... There that that uh, continuity he could you know it's people are just gonna have to go with memory so you could tinker with it without getting Um, in much trouble. For example, as I
0: poured this one out, this one, uh, there have been years past when it's definitely more straw colored than that's true.
1: I I remember it as being lighter than this. This is um, not quite as dark as actually it might be as dark as the ESB. Yeah, it's darker than it used to be,
0: uh, for sure. But um, it still has a pretty old school nose.
1: Mm, this is a nice fresh one, though. Yeah, very very uh, bright and fresh yeah. pop aroma. So it's got piney, citrusy kind
0: piney of piney, citrusy notes, but not like super juicy citrus. It's just that nice sort of floral, floral pine. Mm. Actually, this was this ends up being a perfect fall, a perfect fall IPA. <laughs> uh,
1: so it's uh, as Patrick stopped drinking, he had a look of. Uh, confirmation and satisfaction yes
0: so this is a seven percent abv so it's a pretty big ipa uh it hits all the the hoppy notes i still have a little bit of smoke left in my palate
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's uh, a brighter and cleaner than i expected it to be the the for as dark as it is the malt is not um it's not it's there's not very much caramel at all. It's mostly just uh, kind of rounded sweetness, um, and uh, you know, and it's the hops that are playing center center role here.
0: Yep. So I do love me a hoppy beer.
1: You uh, do. And, I'm <laughs> glad somebody brought an IPA. <laughs>
0: and in and in the fall, I like I like to turn back to I start drinking a lot of IPAs because uh, I like the warmth they provide through the alcohol. I like the, the body that they is sort of more more of a, a mouthful. Uh, and so, uh, that's one of my fall, my full go I
1: was interviewing Alan for, uh, my Widmer book project mm-hmm. and we talked about how he no longer, he, he talked about how he used to be the, the darling of the, the beer geek set. Right. He was like the, 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 the main player. Oh on yeah. That, his that like stage. doc release days. So yeah.
0: Lines down the block.
1: And now he's the old time guy. Right. And he's no longer there, I and mean, he he's just to- talking—not even really wistfully, just you know, acknowledging that his his uh, his status in the city has changed. Um, yeah, from being, uh, you know, he was he was the he the, was the it guy for a yeah, while. Yeah, he was yeah. the trillion, the the hill farmstead, in, right. uh Twenty years ago, and now he's uh, now now he's weirdly become the old man. Right.
0: right <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to see his business mature. He. Um, for a long time was sort of working off in isolation in the industrial part of, I don't know, downtown Portland. And then he, hit, uh, gosh, how long has it been now? Eight years, 10 years that he's opened his brew pub? Yeah, it's been a long time, hasn't it? Yeah, it feels like yesterday, but it's actually been quite a long time. Uh, it's a really nice uh, place. It's got great food there, great beer, some really unique beers that you can only get there, like often the little dogs yeah the second the 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 small beer made in second runnings is there so it's a it's a great place to visit but um blue dot it's been around for ever and it's all it, it it kind of set the standard for a long time i thought for ipas and now it's just a nice really familiar slightly old school ipa but uh,
1: no not not nearly as old school as i expected so yeah. i'm I'm really pleased mm-hmm. when we taste a beer like this i always have well a that's what reputation. i meant about him
0: tinkering i think he, yeah. he keeps it fresh yeah, I think um, that's right. It's not thoroughly modern, but it's uh, it's a really nice, well balanced IPA.
1: Yeah. All right. Good job.
0: Okay, so we have one last thing in our grab bag today, uh, and that is uh, well, the 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 big issue is sort of what we might call the maturation of a of a beer market of our cluster <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> of the Portland beer market. Um, uh, why don't you tell us about the recent news?
1: There's a little brewery called Ross Island Brewing, which mm-hmm. is on Powell, um, which is near the Ross Island Bridge, and the Ross Island Bridge is near Ross Island, which is in the middle of the Willamette River. I don't know why. Which flows through Portland, Oregon. Which flows through Portland, Oregon. I don't know yeah. why I went into all that, but um,
0: well, we we're talking about names, so this is
1: that is true because
0: uh, that's the first thing I thought about. It's like, well, that's pretty good because it's a place, uh, yeah. So,
1: yeah, um, and it's on the block. Yeah. it hasn't been it hasn't been uh a moneymaker and so it's not my sense is it's not uh it's not in the commons uh boat where it's going to be closed but it is it is not it has not had the success that uh they'd hope for and it's they're struggling
0: yeah apparently he he either needs a buyer or some inv- some new investment yeah uh
1: and uh
0: there was a quote i believe it was a direct quote from him saying something something along the lines of i'm a better brewer than i am a businessman
1: not atypical
0: which is yeah which i was gonna say is is a theme now i mean it there was a time in portland where you could just be a good brewer and the business and would sort of figure out itself yeah uh with some notable uh exceptions um roots is the one that really (laughs) really good beer but the business the business side kind of got uh, overwhelm the beer side. Um, but nowadays, you really have to you really have to know it'd be a pretty shrewd business person to enter this market and have a really well-thought-out plan and think about things like the finances and uh, the strategy.
1: There's more people, so you're going to have less people in your pub. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's harder to get to the market. The market's more crowded. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to be on a truck. If you're not self-distributing, you're going to be in a truck with a whole bunch of other products the wholesaler relationship is very important it's just yeah. it's just tough yeah
0: it's a it's a very mature market now and uh yeah and and i was about to say something about the discipline of the market but
1: what, to, what is the di- I, that's a phrase that means something to you but it doesn't mean anything to me
0: uh that um the market forces you to either be uh well in economics terms it's basically it forces you to either be efficient or you die yeah right that that the market uh enforces this this discipline on you you can't you can't be wasteful you can't you can't be um you can't be a poor business person you really have to be a very shrewd business person and a good brewer you have to be both uh to, to survive these
1: days discipline of the market i like it
0: yeah um and so for a long time the market was just growing so much that there wasn't a lot of discipline you could basically open up a pub almost anywhere in Portland, and you'd be all right. <laughs> call it Dirty Bucket. And <laughs> call it Dirty Bucket. <laughs> and and you and I both know quite a few breweries that opened up that just stunned uh, by their success given what we thought was not... Uh, superlative beer. Well, yeah, it was not indicative of their quality, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think those days are long gone. Um, and that doesn't mean... In the article that I read, and I don't remember exactly where and who wrote it. I think uh, it was at the New School. It might have been Ezra, yeah. Yeah. Who said something like, uh, is this a sign that there's a downturn? And I don't think it's that at all. Uh, I think the market is still actually growing in Oregon. I just think that it's a competitive marketplace. And so this is what you'd expect to see. And this is what um, is ultimately good for consumers. Uh, I mean, it could have... uh, It's a shame when someone who's a really talented brewer fails on the business side because then there's some really good beer and this is the commons example and i don't know honestly i haven't had a ross island brewing beer so i can't say anything about their quality i'll assume they're good um but the commons i know is fantastic uh, so it's a real shame when the business side can't support the beer side
1: yeah and you have fewer margins for error so you can survive a terrible name and do a rename uh you can survive like you could you it's possible to survive certain mistakes um when the market's looser but when the market's tight those mistakes can become fatal and yeah. um, you need to be you need to have all, you need to be firing on all cylinders
0: yeah and what's interesting about beer and we have to have discipline yeah and what well, what you said what we've said i've said a million times is how much economies of scale matters and so there's this i there's a temptation and it's not necessarily a bad instinct that you want to get big fast because your costs per ounce go down right um but it's a tough you know it's really tough so it's sort of do you do you uh um Do you go for the hail mary and just open up a big brewery and hope you can you can sustain it, or do you grow incrementally and really have to scratch and claw your way? It's a tough. I, it's just it's it's a tough business.
1: It is, and risk risk has just gone up. So neither of those scenarios is without its own risk. There's yeah. different kinds of risk. Yeah, yeah.
0: All right. Well, that's kind of a somber note to end on. We should. <laughs> we, should have, <laughs> we should have thought something else. Uh Well. uh in the future, hopefully, we'll be having our our uh, packaging and water—all really sexy topics. Um,
1: the, I think the packaging thing is going to be cool. I'm I'm promising lasers.
0: Ooh, lasers! Yeah,
1: sweet. So, just yeah,
0: and the water thing should be high tech too. So, there's going to be lots of lots of exciting things coming along. Uh, but uh, as the weather turns dark and cold, I hope uh, you all um, benefit from our fall recommendations and send us yours um send us your comments send us your suggestions for future pods uh, particularly those that don't require a lot of that's right (laughs) a lot of travel and planning uh that turns out we're not as good at that um
1: ever since we mentioned that we're going to go to uh, seattle i keep getting emails from people and comments like when you come to seattle you gotta try this place so i have a list of like 10 breweries that are absolutely must see seattle breweries and it's getting we got to go fast or else it's going to get out of hand we're gonna have to be there like three weeks yeah and
0: actually uh, to, to to uh to both be honest and to and to to give us ourselves a little bit of credit we actually sort of had a, a planned semi-trip that i had to that uh, a trip semi-planned that was right. interesting
1: we had a block of time that we might have been able yeah to. that i
0: had to that i had to pull the plug on because of events that conspired against me but um
1: we're, going to it, we're, gonna we, it, we're, we're gonna do it, and we're gonna do it soon. I'm talking to Rubens Bruce about a possible interview, and, mm-hmm. and others. So we're gonna we're gonna get that done.
0: All right. Well, for now, thanks very much for listening to the podcast.
1: <laughs> we, let's keep doing our aspirational thing. Fly on aspiration. Yeah,
0: and, and hopefully we'll get a, we're an we honorable mention next time. <laughs> That's right. If we keep talking about what we might do, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a few words going out about how to get in touch. Uh, Jeff blogs at Virvana Blog. Uh, which is uh, blog dot com. He tweets at at Beervana, um and you can reach him uh, via email at
1: jeff at blog dot com. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I keep. I still want. To, I still want to do the beer axe.
1: No, no, okay. we're done with the beer axe. Yeah. Uh, Patrick is tweeting at at I am. He is. I mean, and he is actually. Yeah, he's I not treat, blogging anymore, treat. so we're not mentioning that. I
0: decided 140 characters. I'm like Donald Trump 140 characters is
1: my style. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't need more than that. What happens? They're, they're, they're thinking of doubling that. Is that going to be too onerous for you? Uh, actually, I, yeah, I,
0: I, uh, the discipline of 140 characters is, is good, uh, it does feel slightly too few
1: it's weird that they just like thought, 200 i think is, yeah why why just double it they could have thought of something yeah. else 220 split the difference i don't know yeah but anyway
0: so i'm 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 i'm, I'm for uh, my votes for 200 give me a 200 characters and i'm i'm sweet all right <laughs> <laughs> uh okay but do but do be in touch uh we'd love to get comments yeah we didn't uh, good have, or bad
1: we didn't have any mailbag or if we did it was we have. it's been a while since we blocked. i missed it so either ping me again or uh, or ping me for the first time
0: yeah so sweet all right well so uh as we go out i'm gonna grab some beers i'm gonna grab the blue dot
1: ipa i have in my hand the porter um which is fine <laughs> 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 all right uh cheers jeff and cheers patrick